0: Well, this morning we're concluding our series on the seven deadly sins, and we're concluding on the message of sloth. you know, Believe it or not, this was the first message I wanted to do in the series, but it didn't work out for whatever reason, so I moved it to about halfway through and uh, ran out of time there, so it didn't work. So I moved it to the very end of the series, and it makes sense, doesn't it? The, the last message there was no time for, you couldn't do it, ends up being the message on sloth. All right. What, what, a, what a deal, huh? Sloth, uh, it, it's interesting because the other deadly sins, uh, those are really six. Others are sins of, of commission. Sloth is a sin of omission. The other ones are things you do. Sloth is something you, you don't do. It's a little bit different, you know. You, you can define it in several different ways, but what we're, well, I'm defining it, sloth is not doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and how you're supposed to do it. Not doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and how you're supposed to do it. You know, it was Dagwood uh, Bumstead, I think, who said, uh, "You just can't teach people how to be lazy." Either they got it or they don't. I would say that, yeah, most all of us got it a little bit. Anyway, now there's trying trying to figure out how to get our arms around this idea of laziness or of sloth. Let's just see what some different people have done to help us get there. Laziness. When you just can't be bothered to do more than the bare minimum. Yeah, all right. Procrastination. You can't read it very well, but it says... Hard work often pays off after time, but laziness always pays off now. Yeah, okay. Mediocrity. It takes a lot less time and most people won't notice the difference until it's too late. There you go. (laughs) Don't you love this? Take the dog for a walk. Yeah, all right. Laziness. For some, it's a crutch. For America, it's a way of life. Yeah, okay. Okay. And here you go, laziness, because someone else can do it. You know, Mike Kaczorowski, who who grew up in Alistair Begg's church, said that Alistair says that the epitome of laziness is not changing the toilet paper roll. You can just kind of hear that with that (laughs) Scottish brogue going on, can't you? And for all of y'all who want to spiritualize this, God made me lazy, and I'm not going to act against his will. Yes, laziness. But on one level we we laugh about joke about it but in God's economy the laziness really is not a laughing matter time is is really the great equalizer isn't it there there is no advantages that anyone is giving regarding time. You don't get extra time if you're extra busy. Everybody, everybody gets 24 hours a day. Every single day we get 1,440 minutes. Every single day we get 86,400 seconds. Everybody, doesn't matter if you're the president, if you're a prince, if you're a CEO, whatever you do, whoever you are, whoever your, your daddy is, whatever you drive, wherever you live, you're only going to get so many minutes a day. We all get that. The only difference between any of us is not how much time we get, but what we do with the time we get. The only difference when it's all said and done is how you allocate your time. Time is life. And how you spend your time defines your life, right? And, and, and so, so understanding that from God's perspective is just huge. Now, several weeks ago when we started this series... We, we started off with a, a prayer. I don't know if you remember this. And we said, let's, let's make sure throughout this series that we're praying this thing before we come. It says, dear Lord, would you please show me my sin? And if you do, I promise I will do something about it. Now, here's the deal with sloth. None of us think we're sloth. Maybe once, but most none of us think that we're, 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 this is for us. I mean, no one's perfect, right? But we, we know of individuals who should be here to hear this message this morning, but they're not here. But this is not dealing with us. The, our goal this morning is not to look to the person to your left or to the right or whoever's not here because they're too slothful. But the goal is to look inside and say, Dear Lord, is this, is this my issue? Because I would say that the human sloth is not in a freak show A human sloth looks looks normal like who you see in the mirror. And so we want to ask ourselves and and pray and ask God, would you show me my sin? Is this my issue? And and if you do, I promise you I'll do something about it. Let's take just a second to pray this. Go ahead in your own heart. Dear Lord, would you please show me my sin? And if you do, by the power of your spirit, I'll do something about it. Open our eyes, Lord. Holy Spirit, enlighten us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, R.C. Sproul. And you know, R.C. died, uh, oh my goodness, just a couple of months back. R.C. Sproul is probably the the greatest evangelical thinker in our generation. I mean, the the man was an incredible apologist. He was an incredible philosopher. Solid understanding of of the word of God. He was one of our premier spokesmen. He wasn't the evangelist like Billy Graham was, but an incredible thinker, apologist, uh, philosopher. And this is what R.C. says. R.C. said, I am a great time waster. When I think of the time I've wasted in my life, I am hounded by remorse. The guilt is not a false one festered by an overactive work ethic. The guilt is real because the time I have wasted is real. If R.C. Sproul has written a gazillion books, who has built the church, who has discipled, me, many, many, if he can say that, it does make you stop and say, okay, maybe I've got this issue. You know what's fascinating to me is the book of Proverbs. You've got, in the book of Proverbs, there's the king who's kind of training up his son. He's turning up the crown prince. He's trying to teach him how to rule the people, how to make it through life. If ever there is a manual for life, the book of Proverbs is it. He's teaching his son the things that will derail him, that will wipe him out. He's teaching them all about how to deal with sexuality and how to deal with communication and what kind of friends are going to take you the wrong way. But one of the most prominent themes in the book of Proverbs is this idea of sloth. Being a sluggard, you know. Some have said, "I, I, I don't know if I agree with it or not." I tend to agree with it, though, that the whole book of Proverbs is primarily about this issue, and it's, it's slothfulness in your finances, slothfulness in not setting up pr- appropriate sexual uh, guardrails, uh, being negligent in your your words. I mean, it's, it's slothfulness as a whole. And then it's, it's, it's coming down into all aspects of our life. And here's the issue. If God thought this was such a big deal that he gives us a whole book about it, perhaps we need to stop and say, I mean, it's, we can funny, it's funny, we can laugh, but maybe this is a really big issue. I mean, don't, don't you, you think if I only have X number of minutes and who knows when the, when the grains of sand run out of the time glass, who knows when the last one really will be. It may be very very soon. And if my life is just a matter of how I've spent those, don't you, this is probably good for us to ask now, today, not when we get to the very end. How, how do you spend these? And have I done this correctly? Uh, laziness. There are, there are consequences of, for laziness that we see. One of them is you just bring harm upon yourself. But let me, let's read this. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 4. If you got your Bibles, turn there. This is a, this is, we're going to jump around in Proverbs, but this will be like our anchor passage. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I pass by the field of a sluggard. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. And the ground was covered with nettles. And its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. And I looked and received instruction. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. Now in the, in the Middle East. Where this was originated a, a arable ground something that would work for a, a, a vineyard was an incredibly valuable priceless blessing I mean it was it was amazing and so this 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 sage walks by this vineyard and he sees this things in disrepair it's just a mess and he's did a tornado do this was there a flood did a drought knock this thing out oh it was negligence. I think if you can we back up one slide. Look what he says here. He says, "Pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense." Here's the here's what makes a sluggard a sluggard. They lack sense. Now it's not low IQ. It's they're just not seen through God's eyes. They're not seeing the picture of reality through heaven's perspective. They think they understand they've got several of the dots and they connected them trying to draw the picture, but they're missing a handful of dots. They're just missing something he's lacking sense. And what he doesn't understand is he doesn't understand how valuable his vineyard is. There's no hobby vineyards. This was not hobby vineyarding. This was his survival this was his family's food. This was this was nourishment. This was wine they would be able to to celebrate. This was a vitamin intake if they had a good crop. This was to feed other people who were hungry. This was a substantial deal here, but he doesn't recognize the value of what he's got. This building the wall around it. You know, you, you, you didn't build the wall around it for aesthetic purposes, you know, cuz that will look cool. Because maybe it will like look nice and I can get it my vineyard on the cover of, you know, Israeli vineyards or something. That was not the goal. Um, you, you had a specific purpose to protect what was inside. And you didn't call up at me stone wall builders to come do this for you, right? With their backhoes and then they dump trucks and then they bring in with their bobcats all the stones. No, no. You went out and got the stones one at a time wherever you could find them. You know how many stones it takes to build a stone wall? I mean, however big your vineyard is, you're going all the way around it to protect against animals that would come in and destroy it, uh, thieves that would come in and try to take uh, your, your produce, trying to protect for your family. And this vineyard has got, got, got weeds, right, nettles all over it. I remember I, sometimes I pulled the weeds around our landscaping in our house. It just, they just look tacky. They just look tacky, and the reason why I'm pulling them is because they look tacky. But there was a mission trip. I took a group of kids on a gazillion years ago to the Arizona-Utah border, the Navajo Indian Reservation, and our, our uh, guy we, we met, the pastor there, took us out to work in the field of Pete Gray Eyes. Isn't that a great name? Pete Gray Eyes. Now, Pete was a, a medicine man, incredible testimony, came to know Christ, and so we were out working in his field, and you know what his field was? Sand. It was just all sand. And he had these little plants growing, they were, well, I don't know what they were, corn, beans, I don't know what they were, but but then there were all these weeds in the in the sand. And they told us we've got to get these weeds out of here it has nothing to do with they look rough. It's because there's only so much moisture in this land. And, and if the weeds take it, the crops can't. But if we can get the weeds out, then the crops will grow larger. They'll produce more. And Pete and his family will be able to survive during the winter. So this was a pretty big thing. You, to, to remove the nettles and the weeds wasn't just because it looks nice. This, this allowed the production. This, this allowed it. Now, here's the deal. Every one of us have a vineyard. You've got a vineyard. I've, I've got a vineyard. It's, it's our life. And sometimes we we go through life and we don't realize the value of what we have. We we don't seek to protect. We don't seek to keep the the weeds out. We just are are rolling, we we're, we're moving. And 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 the sage would say that's oh, a that's a sluggard who doesn't understand the value of what he has. He doesn't see life situation through God's eyes. And so what he's going to do if he doesn't is he's going to spend those minutes not. The best he could. Now that's, that's, that's his issue. That's what he's bringing up here. Now the, the consequences for being a sluggard. Again there's, there's a harm to ourselves. Look at uh, Proverbs 19.15. I should have it on the screen. Life collapses on loafers. I got the, the message is great on this one right. Lazy bones go hungry. That pretty much tells you. Yeah, sluggard is going to destroy his own life. Now. Uh, i got to say something about the nature of Proverbs at this point. Proverbs are... Um, p- Proverbs. They're like, uh, look before you leap. He who hesitates is lost. They seem opposite. Um, Proverbs are, are generally true. They're big enough to incorporate most situations, but not so big that they incorporate every situation. And look at this one. Do you know of anybody... Who may be lazy or be neg- or negligent? Uh, who is doing well? Well, y- y- I mean, there's folk who've got old money. They've done nothing to get anything. They're living very uh, loosely, very carelessly, and you know what? They're not going hungry at all. And There are other people you don't want to you don't want to take from this text. Everybody who's hungry is, is a loafer, is a sluggard. No, 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 no. Now, there are people who perhaps have a fantastic work ethic, who have limitations, circumstances, situations, whatever, that we may not have and they're a hard working person and yet. So Proverbs does not give us the 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 joy to go start throwing judgment on folk. It's it's let's look inside Proverbs does not deal with things we can't control. It deals with what we can control. And it says this. It says that 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 sluggards will end up destroying their life. They don't understand this, but they they let their their vineyard cr- fall in, implode. They're the ones ultimately who will be destroyed. Winter will come, they will have nothing sluggards destroy themselves, sluggards also destroy other people, though, don't they? They they do. You can can say amen on that one. Um, Proverbs 10.26. That's a great verse. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The, The author of Proverbs, authors of Proverbs, are experts at word pictures, aren't they? Have you ever had a big glass of vinegar? Yeah, I'm just gonna drink down and down some vinegar because it's so refreshing and it's a pleasant-tasting substance, and I oh, it's just so enjoyable. It's not enjoyable at all. And vinegar—you wash around—it feels like 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 fingernails on a chalkboard right on your teeth. It's, oh, this is just awful stuff. It's sour. Smoke in your eyes? You ever sit around a fire and I'm like a magnet to the smoke for whatever reason, and so you get up and you try to move around. It won't kill you. But it's incredibly obnoxious. It's frustrating. It bothers you. It keeps you from having an enjoyable time. A sluggard can keep other people from having an enjoyable time. Uh, Whether it's a sports team. Can you imagine your shortstop decides to, well, I'm only going to kind of halfway try. Uh, Your pitcher, I'm just going to halfway throw the ball in. Uh, That that sinks the whole team. I I taught for a while in the... uh, College world, and it was a, a, a secular school. But the value of the school was to always um, put the students in teams for team projects because they knew when they get into the a marketplace, quite often they're they're on a team, and whether they, they you know sink or float will be dependent on how the team did. And so we would say you don't get individual grades; you get a team grade. And so you can imagine when you put these teams together if a, a, a group of students got a sluggard type person, and there were several students in the system that were, uh, had the reputation of a sluggard person, that when the team got them, it was not a good picture. It was rough on me, it was rough on them, it was rough on everybody, and this was uh, not a Christian environment, so all kinds of things were said, um, because they knew, this, my grade is going is to take a hit here, Because this person is not going to do their job. They didn't do what they were supposed to do, when they were supposed to do it, how they were supposed to do it. So a sluggard hurts other people. So if you've got the sluggard thing going, you need to know. You'll hurt yourself. But it's not just about you. And we could get real serious and look at maybe some of the ways we grew up. With a deadbeat dad, perhaps. Uh, It just affects a lot of folk. There's no sin you can do that doesn't affect other, other people. Now here's some, uh, we've got the GE way. Well, this is the sluggard way, right? This is some characteristics of the sluggards. First of all, sluggards, um, a sluggard doesn't start, okay? He doesn't start. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. Now look, look at this for a minute. This, he sees this, this sluggard's thing, right? And then look at the next slide. He stops, he looks, this over. And he saw and considered it. He looked and he received instruction. This is, this is like in quotes, this next, next line. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. That's what the, that's what the sluggard says. This little, now, does he say, I'm never going to do this? Forget it, I'm done, man. I'm not doing that. For, please, I'm not going to roll up my sleep. No, 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 what's he say? It says, later. later. I'm going to get there, but right now, I've just got to rest. Right now, I just need to lay down. I'm just a little bit tired. I've got a, I've got a headache. I don't feel good. It's been a rough day. I just need to, to rest. I'll get there later. 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 We know later never, never happens, right? Later. 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 I'll get there later. It'll just from you know my uh, slugger doesn't s- start just doesn't start. I had a kid, bro, I, got, I still do. I have four four of us boys in the family. The youngest one's name is Pete, and Pete's got there's a big gap between Pete and, and the rest of us. Uh, but when Pete was little in school, he would look at the rest. Most I think at that point we were all out of school. And Pete was just starting into high school, and he'd say you you got it's a long story with Pete, but he, he would say you guys are all losers. You guys are not going to amount to anything. You guys drive your junk cars and you have your, 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 your junk jobs. And he says, but me, <laughs> I'm going to be driving a Beamer. And I'm going to be doing all right. <laughs> I'm going to show you. He said, all right, Pete, great. Through high school, D minus, D minus, D minus, D minus. I think he graduated because the teachers were just so, they just wanted them out of their hair, right? They just, but through the whole time, he was still... You guys are losers. You watch. I'm going to drive my Beamer. You'll see. Okay, Pete, quit talking, start doing. Never starts, never starts. Now let me be good to Pete, though. So Pete got done with high school. He got a job at Sonic, uh, flipping burgers. He realized that the Beamer was going to be a long way down the road at this point, right? It was not going not gonna to happen. It was going to be a very old, beat-up Beamer. So, so he says, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to college. I'm going to go to college. Well, he'd gotten D minus, D minus, D minus, so there's no school in the States that would let this kid in. So he finally begged his way into a community college on probation, uh, really, truly on probation. Two years, he's got a 4.0. So he was able to get into Union University where he graduated with his BA in uh, business, went on to University of Tennessee, got his MBA, In four months, he's graduating from Vanderbilt in law uh, as a lawyer um, he realized, my, my, my vineyard's a mess. And I, I, have, I have ignored it. It's time to roll up my sleeves. It's inspiring uh, for me. He, by the way, he's going to get a beamer probably out of this, don't you think? Um, <laughs> to let me know that even if our vineyard is a mess, we can, we can start working. You need to know from the time he started community college to today, it's been about 20 years and so it takes a while, but perseverance, continuously, deciding I'm not being the sluggard anymore, seeking to, to apply the biblical principles, uh, we can get where we need to be. A sluggard doesn't start. But you know, sometimes when a sluggard starts, the problem is they don't finish. A sluggard doesn't finish. Proverbs 19, 24. Again, you got to appreciate this guy's word pictures, right? The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Have you ever seen such a thing? I just don't know if I can. I can't do it. You don't, you don't, I don't think that, that he ever saw it either. What's he, what's he saying? And there are several other texts that are hitting up the sluggard this way. He's not trying to bash sluggards as much as he's trying to wake them up. Uh, sluggard had to cook his food he had to get it, prepare it, get it on the table, get it in the bowl. But he, he didn't finish. There's no follow through. The, the end of it, where he would get the, the greatest benefit, he just stopped. And the sluggard can start things, right? They talk a good talk and they can, they can saddle up and they can get the plans and then they can start. But then they, they realize, it's a little bit harder than what I thought. And there's some obstacles that I didn't anticipate, and there's some costs that I wasn't thinking about, and some it's just a little bit more boring than I anticipate. It takes longer than I, than I thought, and uh, they quit. They quit. Now, who in here does this not indict as far as uh, unfinished projects? Right. However, however, I, I think I don't want to indict me. But I don't want to let myself or anyone else off the hook here. I think we need to say that if my life is littered with unfinished projects, unfinished books, promises made and started but not completed, I think it'd be wise for us to look at the word of God and say, you know what, God, would you show me my sin? Is this a weakness for me? I, 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 I need to, I need to know. There's a, the third thing that the sluggard, so he doesn't start, and when he does, he doesn't finish. A sluggard often is, he doesn't accept responsibility. He is an incredible excuse maker, blame placer, right? It's, it's never his, his fault. Proverbs 22, 13. Again, the word pictures are great. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that's a pretty good excuse. Man, if, if, you don 't understand there 's a lion out there I go out there i 'm done. yeah, this job is too big for me I mean come on let 's face it look at the job this, this is too dangerous someone could, I could get hurt here. this is going to take me out. this is going to take too long. this is going to cause too much. This is beyond me i can 't do this he 's a great got some great excuses going on. One of the excuses we use, i think is is you know I remember it 's it's being slothful, being a sluggard, not doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, the way you're supposed to do it. That last phrase is often where the sluggardness comes in. Uh, one of the excuses we use, I use, one of my one of my favorites, I'll share with you, is uh, I did the best I could. I did the best I could. Um, C.S. Lewis, when he wrote his uh, Horse and the Boy, it's part of the Chronicle of Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia series. Two horses. You gotta know the twerking horses are a dime a dozen in in, in the Chronicles of Narnia. And so you got you got Bree, who was a a war horse. He's he's been through many battles, and he's a proud horse, and he's happy to tell everybody about his exploits. And as he tells them, of course, they always get bigger and bigger. Bree, and then you've got this gentle, humble mare, Hwin, who is who is with him. And at one point they are, they are taking off because they've got to get to this, uh, this home and so they can warn about this coming invasion. And so they're going and, and, and uh, Shastu is on the back of, of Bree. He says, he says he wants to come to go faster, but, but alas, the horse is probably doing the best he can or at least he's doing the best he thinks he can. The two are not always the same. And, and as he's doing that, and the horse is trying, to, says he's going as fast as he can, can't go any faster, and he's doing everything. A lion comes up behind him, just happens to be Aslan, but a lion comes up behind him and nips at his heels and swipes at him. Well, Bree's ears go down, and you know he just takes off like a bullet. And Shasta goes, whoa, I felt it immediately. See, he could do a little bit better than what he thought he could do. I, one time I was, my, my, my uh, father said, You know, son, I want you to go out and shovel the driveway. Growing up, I was in the suburbs of Chicago at this point. We had a two car driveway. Maybe they didn't have snow blowers invented yet. I don't know. But no one on my block had one. I hadn't even seen one. The way you get rid of the snow in your driveway is a shovel. And so I'm going, Oh, not shovel the driveway. And part of it was my dad's expectations for shoveling in the driveway where you cannot have an inch of cement not. You've got to, like, manicure the thing as you, you shovel it. I'm going, oh, okay, yeah. My dad really didn't ask me to. He kind of told me to, right? So that afternoon, I kind of did it. Uh, pretty rough job, actually. My dad comes home from work. He, he got his car in, but there's only room for one car. Well, he was kind of upset. And so he started sharing, and I won't share with everything what he, what he said, but, but he ended up saying, um, Son, did you do the best you could do? I said... <laughs> I didn't do this, but yes, I did. I did the best I could do. I tried, Dad, and that that snow was heavy, you know I mean? It was like half heavy, and, you know, I had to use that shovel, that old shovel, it just from, you know, made in the 1600s, I mean, it just was not working, and my back was sore, and I did the best I could, and he said, okay, let's go see, and so we went out, and as we were walking through the driveway, and he was pointing stuff out, I really did a Bad job. I did I didn't know how bad of a job I did, but it was it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then he looked over at me and he said, Son, is this the best that you can do? Is this the best that you can do? It's kind of a defining moment for me. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It always do the best you can do. Um no one really knows. See, this is why this is such a subtle secret. I did the best I could. I think sometimes we don't know, Brie. But if we're honest before God, not always. We have a lot of, I have a lot of lying excuses. My father strikes again. He'd say, son, go out and clean the garage. Now, my dad's idea of cleaning the garage, you need to know this. Everything comes out of the garage Everything, right? It's on the floor The whole floor is completely clean You sweep the whole floor out From corner to corner Then you get the hose And you get the bleach And you get the tide and You scrub the whole floor And then you rinse it Then you put everything back in nice and neat That's how you clean the garage in my house, right? So my dad said Son, I want you to clean the garage No, please, dad Not the garage Yes, the garage Go clean the garage I remember seriously telling him Dad, I've got a fever And I did I really did have a fever I had a terrible headache and, and my, my dad said, son You <laughs> not one of my dad's favorite words, son um, You need to learn That in this life Sometimes you can't always feel good When you do your work You need to get out there And clean the garage It ain't going to kill you I said, Dad, I think it's going to kill me He said, son, we'll give you a nice burial Now get out there and clean the garage I'm 56 years old, and when I clean the garage, you know what I do today? Everything comes out. Sweep it from corner to corner. Get the hose. Get the bleed. Get My dad was in the military, and I'm glad uh, for that. That training, I would not have done that. I would have, not at all. I, Expert excuse maker. Blame placer. Not my fault. Someone else's fault. My headache is my back. It's my shovel. It's the heavy snow. It's I've got the excuses. I've got the lion outside. That's never my issue, man. Just so you know. That's, just, that's a sign of a sluggard. There's one other sign of a sluggard. And this one is, kind of takes the cake. The sluggard doesn't listen. Right? He doesn't start. When he does start, he doesn't finish. He doesn't accept responsibility. And he doesn't <laughs> listen, Proverbs twenty six, sixteen, the slugger it sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Seven in n- biblical numerology is the number of perfection, right? It's the number of completeness. Uh perfect wisdom. The sluggard says, <laughs> They're wrong. I'm right. This, this is, don't be thinking, all oh, those people. This is us. How difficult is it to hear someone speak correction or rebuke into our lives? Oh man. Oh man. You don't understand what's going on inside. I tried my best and all the variables and you don't, you're the lions and you don't know. Don't you even? You don't know. This is us. The sluggard is one who doesn't listen to other people. He's wise. He's right. Don't even try to talk to me. I know. I got it down. Don't, don't, even, don't even try. So, what do you do with this? This is our default system. So, what do you do with this? Um, my youngest son, some of y'all know, is uh, finishing his first year at the Air Force Academy. Now, when, when he went, he went in last summer. He went into to boot camp at the, at the academy, and you gotta know, all these kids in the academy are like captains of their rugby team and captains of the football team, and they're just, you know, specimens of health. They're just, 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 just perfect health. You, you gotta be to get in this place, right? But then what they do is they just drive these guys past their, their, their limits. And these guys thought they were in good shape then. They thought they could do anything. All these pre-Madonna kids, have pushed past their, their limits. And I remember uh, Drew, uh, he would write after they they ended up with the last three weeks were in a place called Jack's Valley up in the Rockies. It's just a, a crazy place. But I remember him writing because you couldn't have the phone and you couldn't have the computer and he'd write us real letters and he'd say, this has been the worst three weeks of my life. Wow, oh, wow, it's the worst three. He says, yeah, I'm sick. I had a fever and you got to get out there and you got to do it and you got to keep going and they're pushing and screaming and yelling and no sleeping. You got to keep moving and blah, blah, blah. Next letter. This has been the worst three hours of my life. So what happened? Three hours. I said, well, there's this activity, and there's this program, and you, and, and we were uh, simulated war, and there was bullets going, and there was sirens, and there was smoke, and the guys were screaming at us, and the barbed wires catching us, and we got our guns, and if you slow down, it's a bad thing, and I would see cadets off the side crying, getting cussed out, and they have to do their push-ups in the mud, and I'm just keep going no matter what. Worst three hours of my life. Next letter. Just experienced the worst three minutes of my life. <laughs> three... Well, three minutes? He says, yeah, we had our Haslip gear on, and we go into this warehouse, and they make us pull our mask off as they pop off the tear gas. And when our lungs are ready to explode, they let us out. And so we're all gagging, and we're throwing up, and I felt like I couldn't breathe. I honestly thought I was going to die. Worst three minutes of my life. Well, that was all over. Right? Boot camp's done, and I'm thinking, okay, it's got some relief. But they stayed on, these guys, all, all year, in, intense year. I was talking to them the other night. I said, Drew, are you glad, though, that you went in? And we were FaceTiming. He was kind of pensive, looking off, and he said, you know, I'm really different today than how I came in. He meant that in a good way. He said, I could have never imagined I could have done what they've pushed me to do, that I had that within me. Uh, he, the academy knows. They want you to reach your Potential. And so they, they, they know that your default system is sluggardness. So I, mean, I can't do it. They're lying outside. I can't pull it off. And so they push and push and push and push and push. Here's the problem for us. We do not have a drill sergeant for, for, for us for our work with our vineyard. It's, it's not there. So how will we ever reach our potential? We won't... Let me, let, me, let me focus on the corner of our vineyard that is our devotional life. Can I do that for just a moment? Because some of us can have, you know, our finances or our family work, and our vineyards are pristine, man. But this area, yeah, it's not as pristine. Maybe it's crumpling down a little bit. Maybe it's overgrown a little bit. We'll get to it one day. You know, there's the line I can't get to it right now. So we got all the, all the, the, the issues. But how are we going to become... The people God has called us to become. How are we going to know Him as well as we could? We really could know Him. How how can we 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 respond and be as sanctified? Not burden, discipline stuff that doesn't work. We've tried that before. How can we get there? Especially if uh, my default system is sluggardness. Well, the the drill sergeant that Proverbs gives us. It's an interesting. Drill sergeant. Proverbs thirty. Verse 24 and 25, he says, Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. Notice, not just wise. He's been going through Proverbs, wise, wise, wise. No, no, here, exceedingly wise. The ants are people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. Just, there's four. We're just going to look at the ants for a second. Now, uh, ants are not real strong, right? That's what he says. They're not strong. Now, uh, relatively speaking, they're, they're, they're strong. Uh, an ant can lift 10 times plus the, the weight of his body. It'd be like a 150-pound man carrying 1,500 to 7,500 pounds. Uh, so ants are, relatively speaking, strong, but comparatively speaking, they're not very strong, right? You can, like, step on 15 of them, crush them all, and they're all, they're all, they're all done. You don't even know it. I mean, that's a big, big breadcrumb they're carrying, but it's just a... You know, stinking breadcrumb after it's all, all said and done. Not, but here they're not lauded because of their strength. They're lauded. Look what it says here. Because they understand time. Because they understand the time that's been given them. And they know that winter's coming. And the way I spend my minutes today is going to directly determine my tomorrow and so I need to spend them right. Uh, winter's coming. Winter always comes. Uh, personal crisis does not send a, an invitation. It does not send a, a reminder that it's going to be here next Tuesday at 5 o'clock. It blows in like a tornado. It does its devastation. It blows out like a tornado. It you, leaves you with to, just to cope. And what you have in the middle of that crisis is what you brought in. When the crisis hits, that's not time to say, you know what, I think I'm going to go out and work on the vineyard. No, it's too late. It's too late. What you have at that point is what you brought in. And spiritually, in your devotional life, when the crisis, because winter's coming. Winter's coming. We're crazy to think it won't be. It's going to come and it's not going to, you're not going to know when it gets here until it hits you. What you do have the spiritual fortitude to handle that, what you do today. We'll prepare you for that. National crises, it's, it's, it's coming. I know it's a whole different message, but uh, based on the end of Second Chronicles, Second Kings, Amos, Habakkuk, when God begins a judgment on a nation, it's usually a process judgment. It's not like everything's fine and all of a sudden it's all gone. It's a process judgment. And once that judgment has started, it's irreversible. I believe the judgment has started here. It's already chilly. Winter's coming. And you just need to, to make sure that spiritually, your vineyard, you are fortified. You have taken care. So when it hits, you are, are ready. You know, it's a fascinating. Chapter 31 of Proverbs, very last book of Proverbs, our last chapter of Proverbs. What he does is he paints a picture. This gale. Who's the case study of what it means to not be a sluggard? And if you go through the very end of Proverbs, this gal is doing, she's, she's the case study on every way of what it means to not be a sloth. And then look what 31, last two verses in the whole book of Proverbs. It says, Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, all the external stuff, but a woman who fears the Lord, she's to be praised. Now look at the last verse. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Don't, don't miss this. Fear of the Lord is somehow associated with your work. If you really understand the fear of God, if you walk close, if you understand that He's given me these minutes, He's given me this time in order to, He's going to hold me accountable for Him one day in order to invest in His kingdom, you're going to do it. You're going to get the work done. If you don't have this, it's just going to be. Difficult. It's going to be uh, hard. It's it's going to it's it's destined to fail. If you think that the fear of the Lord is just I'm spending nine t- nine hours a day in quiet time and you, you're neglecting everything that you're supposed to be doing, well, that's that's not quite it either. The fear of the Lord, your work are, are, are tied. The way He would have us to get our work accomplished, to do what we're supposed to do. I believe we we need to. To, to, to not ex- give the excuses, we need to start, we need to finish, but we need to tend our, our spiritual devotional vineyard, because we understand as we grow in the fear of him, I believe this will take care of itself. So let me ask you, if the sage was to go by your vineyard today, we all have one, right? If he was to go by yours, your devotional life vineyard, what would, what would, he, what would he see? Always, if he would to go by the other aspects of your life, responsibility that God has called you to that He will hold you responsible, what would he see? what would he say? Would you take a moment and pray with me because, Lord, we started off this morning asking you to show us ugly pieces of our lives and uh I wonder if you thought, God, when we, when we prayed that prayer, thinking, man, these guys have no idea what they're asking for. But God, our desire, that's why we're here this morning, our desire, we don't want to waste our life. The minutes you've given us, Lord, we want to be good stewards of it. I, I do, I know these folk do, and so I pray those things hidden in our heart that you would help us to eradicate those. God, that we wouldn't swing and become workaholics, but that we would be faithful to you, that we would do what you've called us to do, when you've called us to do it, how you've called us to do it. I would pray that that would be be so. And God, I would ask too that this, this offering that we're ready to r- receive, that God, would you use it again for the, children's ministries, the youth ministries, the adult ministries, things going on here as well as an eerie inter- uh, uh, beyond that the message would get out that there's just more to live for than what meets the eye, this, this world. That we don't have to seek that, live for that before your kingdom. I would pray that that would be so. Thank you, Lord. We commit this to you in, in Jesus' name. Amen.